The scripture reading is Romans chapter 7, verse 1 to 8, verse 2. Romans 7, beginning at verse 1, this is the word of God. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then... If, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God." For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to, that, to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was once alive, once I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will do for what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not do, will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to, to will is present with me, but how to perform that is not is good that I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I ser myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So far the scripture reading and the text are the verses 24 and 25 of chapter 7. I'll just read those verses again. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. When you read Romans 7, you realize God's word is not going to be, be easy on us this morning. In the previous chapters of his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul emphasized that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone and not by works of the law. That's all the, what the previous chapters of Romans are about. Believers are no longer slaves of sin, but slaves of God in Christ, chapter 6. However, that you're no longer a slave to sin doesn't mean that sin has now left you alone so that you don't have to deal with sin in your everyday life anymore. Not at all. As long as we live in this life here, sin is going to refuse to let go of us. It's been defeated at the cross, but yet it, it wants to hang on yet. And that always brings struggle into the life of the believer who is now the slave of Christ. For believers like David in Psalm 119 love God and therefore also love his law. We love the Lord. We want to serve him. But how can that which is good, the law, how can that bring such a struggle in a Christian's life yet then? Well, that's because the law throws more and more light on a believer's remaining sins. And a true believer who loves God in Christ will want to rid himself of those remaining sins. To become more and more like Christ. Enslaved to Christ. The more you listen to the word of God, the more sins are exposed in your life too. And the more intense that battle becomes. Oh, if you, if you leave your sins alone and you leave the word of God closed, it's, your sins are not going to bother you too much. Your remaining sins become harder and harder to see. But if you're a true Christian and you love God's law, then you want to know your sins, your remaining sins against God. You want to have them chased out of your life. And you know what happens then? Then you notice more and more sins that you still have in your heart. As you, as you push them out, you notice there's more. More all the time. You see, the more you fight to get rid of the sins of, in your life, the more sins you realize you also have to deal with. And you're never finished in this life. And as a Christian then, you need to fight. And that's the life of the Christian. Here, you need to fight. And that's the battle that the Apostle Paul describes in Romans 7. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, the law of sin in my, nature, in my sinful nature. 
I see that law waging war against the law of my mind. The law of God I want to obey. And they're fighting in me. And that's the war within everyone who truly believes in Jesus Christ. And which Paul describes taking place in himself in Romans 7, that battle. And he summarizes that battle in our text. And then also points to where that struggle has to lead us again and again. To deeper and deeper gratitude to Christ, for Christ. To a deeper and deeper relationship with him. And I preach to you the text with this theme then. Three marks of the life of the true Christian. First, constant battle with sin. Secondly, a prayer for deliverance. And third, a confession of thankfulness. First of all then, that constant battle with sin. Paul begins the text congregation with the words, O wretched man that I am. And those words of the apostle have brought a lot of debate among Bible interpreters. That debate divides people into different groups, different churches even. So I think it's worthwhile to think about some of those different interpretations. There are two main, very different ways of interpreting Paul here. In the first place, there are some who say that the apostle was describing himself before his conversion to Christ. He's thinking of what he was like before the meeting he had with the Lord on the road to Damascus. At that time, he was still a slave to sin. At that time, he was unable to do what was good. And evil lay close at hand for him. And it's then that he said to himself, Oh, wretched man that I am. But that became different after his conversion. And those interpreters say that Paul would have never called himself wretched after he came to faith in Christ. He would have gloried in the victory that he had in Christ. Congregation, you realize that this is how a lot of evangelical world today interprets those first words of Paul in the text. A lot of them talk about living the victorious life in Christ. A true Christian, they say, never sees himself or herself as a wretched sinner anymore. No, they point to what Paul writes in verse 6 about being released from the law. The law no longer applies to us because we live out of the spirit, they say, and out of the victory of Christ. And then since they hardly experience that battle in themselves, their focus is now outward. They do everything they can to prove to themselves and to others that they are victorious in Christ by becoming activists, doing mission, good works to bring others to Christ. And whereas it's good to be involved in mission and doing good works, the purpose of those things shouldn't be to show that you're victorious in Christ, that you have left sin behind. No, true Christians will never be done with sin in this life. The deeper your faith, in fact, the more intense your battle against your remaining sins. The thing is, though, there's nothing in Romans 7 which proves that the Apostle Paul made a big jump back to the time before his conversion in this chapter. Before his conversion, the Apostle Paul saw himself a lot differently than he writes about in Romans 7. Before the, his conversion, he, he, he saw himself as a law-abiding Pharisee with confidence in his obedience to the law. And he says in Philippians 3 verse 6 that as to righteousness under the law, he was blameless. He was a pretty upright Pharisee. There was no big struggle within himself at that time to respect the law. He was quite happy with himself in the light of the law. 
You see, before anyone's conversion to Christ, there's really no struggle between God's law and one's flesh or sinful nature, as the apostle describes in Romans 7. Before true conversion to God in Christ, people are normally quite satisfied with themselves and they figure that if there's a judgment day, they'll see that they're basically pretty good people too. Just spoke to someone on the campground. Said, well, we, we, we don't go to any church, but we're good people. We're good people. And God will take that into account. As for being victorious in Christ, those people don't realize that the New Testament talks about being victorious in Christ and being released from the law as far as our justification is concerned, but not with respect to our sanctification. No congregation, the struggle which the apostle describes in Romans 7 and the conclusion he ultimately comes to in the text, wretched man that I am, describe the life of a true regenerated Christian who is being sanctified, made more holy, becoming more holy. Second interpretation of Romans 7, which Reformed churches have generally followed, is that in this chapter, the apostle portrays himself as converted Christian, fully engaged in a battle against his sinful nature in himself, against his remaining sins. And what that means is that if you believe in Christ as Paul did, you'll recognize that inner spiritual battle too. Do you? So yeah. Paul calls himself a wretched man at the beginning of the text. That's how believers are in themselves. Imperfect. And with God's law and our own sinful nature constantly at war in us. That's how we take part in the Lord's Supper. As imperfect sinners. But as believers redeemed in Christ. And as believers redeemed in Christ, you will experience struggle and pain because of the sins that still live in you here. And again, is that what you experience in your life, my brothers and sisters? A battle like that? Because that's the life of the true Christian, year by year. Even, we, you could even say intensifying year by year. That's how it'll be till we leave this life. Or until Christ returns in glory, a constant battle against sin. Believers struggle to attain perfection even though they know they'll never be perfect in this life. But we fight for that because it's a battle for which the outcome is sure in Christ. His victory will be ours. As long as we continue in that good fight of the faith now. And the Lord's Supper, our participation in Christ's victory in the cross is, a, is then a great encouragement for us to continue that good fight of the faith. We come to the second part of the sermon, a prayer for deliverance. Congregation, the Apostle Paul expresses a deep desire for deliverance from his remaining sins. He asks, who will deliver me from this body of death? The body of death, that's his remaining sins and sinfulness. He clearly hates his remaining sins and sinfulness. He wants to be delivered from his sinful nature, which keeps pulling him to sin, wanting to sin. And he wants to be delivered from not just some, but from all the sins which still live in his body and which want to drag him away from Christ into death. That's why the body of death. He wants to be perfect like Christ. However, he'll only be delivered from that sin which still lives in his body when he dies 
or when Christ returns in glory, whichever comes first. That's what he actually longs for. And that's why Paul wrote from prison in Philippians 1 when he spoke about wanting to stay in this life or to die at the hands of the Roman authorities. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. And he could say that because then his death would mean that he would be free from that struggle with his sinful nature for good. Brothers and sisters, is it your hope and desire to come to that point where you never have to sin again? Never have to fight those thoughts, those feelings, those desires of their sinful nature anymore? Do you long to be free of your body of sin and to be with Christ? Does that look far better to you? Or have you become comfortable with your sins and your sinful nature here and don't see any great need to be free from them? You know, in the Canons of Dort, chapter 5, article 1, we confess that those whom God calls into the fellowship of Jesus Christ and regenerates by his Holy Spirit, he sets free from the slavery of sin, but not entirely in this life from the body of sin. Why not? Article 2, Canons of Dort, chapter 5. In Article 2, we confess that God makes use of our remaining sins to keep us humble and to make us long for the day when we'll be delivered from this body of death and to be perfect and reign with the Lamb of God in heaven. Oh, there's a lot of things in this life that give enjoyment, right? A lot of enjoyment. Family, friends, a lot of good gifts, beautiful sunsets and so on. Days like this, beautiful. Yet, there are always those sins too that stain everything and still make us long for the perfection that God has promised in Christ after this life. So God doesn't set us free from all sin in this life, but he uses our remaining sins to keep us longing to be with our Savior in perfection. And that's also why, that's also why as someone has said, a life of faith is one of doing less and less sins, but then also seeing more and more of those sins in your life at the same time. You could compare it to a room packed full of junk, big stuff on top, smaller, packed down underneath. Well, just like in the storage wars on television, someone buys a storage unit packed full of junk like that, and he hauls away the big stuff off the top and the front, the obvious things. And then... Then he sees the smaller stuff behind. And then, yeah, there's less and less junk in the room, but more and more can be seen underneath it all and behind it all. That's how it goes when the Spirit comes into the room of your life when you belong to Christ. And he turns on the, the light of God's law in that room. And then you see stuff that has to be removed. Big and obvious sins bad deeds, nasty words, angry thoughts and the Spirit brings you to remove those out of your life and He helps you. And as you take away those, those bigger things you see more and more of the less obvious sins in your life. Things that you didn't see before. And they have to be taken away too. 
And you see, that's an ongoing process by hearing the word in particular, also God's law. The spirit shows you more and more junk that's still stored up in the, the corners of your life. Things which were not that obvious at first, wrong motives, even for doing good things. Pride. Pride can even disguise itself as humility. Selfishness, greed, lustful thoughts. Things you never realized played a role in your life before. And you see that now, they do. And then you pray that the Spirit also help you to remove that junk. And that's how God the Spirit works in the lives of those who have been redeemed in Christ. And He doesn't show us all our sins at once. But bit by bit and more and more. And that's, that's a good thing because if we truly saw all our sins at once... I think we'd be crushed by our guilt before God. And we'd lose sight of our redemption in Christ. No, the Spirit works gradually. Thankfully, He works gradually. Shows us more and more sins gradually so we don't lose heart in the good fight of the faith. And see, that brings us to the struggle the Apostle Paul describes in his life in Romans 7 to the battle between wanting to do right but the sinful nature pulling to do wrong. That ongoing battle in the believer's life. When I want to do right, sin is always close at hand. It's right there. And that battle brings every believer to sigh with the apostle. Wretched man that I, uh, that I am. I wish I was completely delivered from my sins and sinfulness. Who will deliver me from this body of sin? Brothers and sisters, again, is that, is that battle something that you experience too? yourself or are you satisfied the way you are do your remaining sins not bother you have you gotten used to them so that you don't even see them anymore the selfish way maybe you hand your you handle your money ignoring the needs of a brother or sister or a neighbor let somebody else help the lack of time you spend with your children Lack of Christian guidance, you maybe, maybe you pass on to them. Our text calls us to examine ourselves honestly. The Spirit wants to help us clean house more and more. Paul's struggle and wish for deliverance needs to be something we all experience if we're true Christians who really listen to the word. And if that struggle is in your life, you want to take part in the Lord's Supper too. To be strengthened in that battle. You hunger and thirst for the signs and seals of Christ's sacrifice for you in the Lord's Supper. You want the encouragement and the strengthening in that fight of faith. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon. The last verse of the text this morning. Paul called himself wretched man and he expressed longing to be delivered from this body of death. Who will deliver me from it? Well that's no cry in the dark. No, the apostle certainly knew his deliverer. He follows that rhetorical question right away by saying, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see that Paul's struggle with sin in this life doesn't make him depressed or so. No, his call for a deliverer is followed right away by his confession of thankfulness for God's grace in Jesus Christ. He knows that he belongs to Jesus Christ. He has changed ownership. That's why he's fighting. 
Sin no longer is the ultimate boss over him, but Jesus Christ is. His Savior has come and fulfilled the law and satisfied for sin with his blood on the cross. And then sin may still live in him, but it has already been dethroned. And Jesus Christ has already taken over. And therefore, even though with his flesh he still serves the law of sin, with his mind he knows he belongs to Christ and serves the law of God. Paul knows himself to be a saved sinner who is on the way to victory in Christ. Congregation being sorrowful for one's sin and rejoicing in one's deliverance belong together in a Christian's life. It isn't so that there's a big period of time between Paul's cry, wretched man that I am, and thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. No, he says those things in the same breath, so to speak. Those two expressions, those two expressions of sin and misery and the confession of thankfulness in Christ, they belong together. I'm a sinner, but I'm redeemed. They even strengthen each other. If you see your sins and sinfulness, then you also see the wonder of Christ's redemption more and more. Oh Lord, that you wanted me a sinner yet. And that thankfulness brings you to see your sins even more clearly. Lord, how awful that I, I do keep sinning against you. And when I come to that, it makes me even more thankful for what Christ has done for me. And the more thankful I, I am for the grace of God in Christ, the more terrible I feel about being still as sinful as I am. And in turn, again, more grateful for knowing Christ. And so on and so forth, a wonderful circle. You understand that grieving because of your sin without faith and, in, and without thankfulness is hopeless. But thanking and praising Christ and looking forward to heaven without growing in the awareness of your sin is also empty. And sadly, that's what all too many people who consider themselves victorious in Christ end up doing today. They don't want to hear about their sin anymore. That's all in the past, they say. And so they don't truly really embrace the battle against their own sinful nature either. And then they miss out on growing in Christ. But Paul shows his own battle in our text so that true Christians see that they don't have to be afraid of of facing and fighting and confessing their own sins in this life, their whole life long. That brings them closer to their Savior all the time. And it brings them to long for and to pray for the day when they can leave their sins and sinfulness behind and live with Christ in perfection, in His complete and glorious victory over sin and death. And isn't that what the Lord's Supper ultimately points to also? As it encourages us to keep up the fight, it points to that great wedding feast of the bridegroom Jesus Christ and his bride perfected for him on the last day. And that's when our Savior will drink the wine new with all his perfected people in the kingdom of his Father. That's something worth fighting for, isn't it? Amen.